0: Thank you, Rick and Nancy. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 will begin in verse 6. While you're turning, let me uh, mention this again. I know I mentioned it in the bulletin, but I can't say enough about how I appreciate the hard workers in our church who will bring together such a quality vacation Bible school program. Uh, Of course, those of you who sent kids to the Bible school and all you see is how happy they are to get here and how happy they are when they, when they get home and how much fun they have. A lot of hours of hard work goes into it before we even have opening night. I see the people who come early and, and take care of classrooms and take care of lesson plans and take care of the crafts and take care of the decorations. Uh, see the folks who come through the day for the uh, refreshments and to make sure that all that's put together. And uh, then when Bible school comes, and I was in and out because I was preaching revival, but I've seen it before every single year. You can put a Bible school together and just check all the boxes and do what it takes to get by and have something, or you can really put your heart into it and make it something special. And our folks who work Vacation Bible School really put their heart into it. I watched how they interact with the kids and how these kids sang when they were up here on closing program. And uh, I'm going to say I'm very blessed to pastor this kind of hard workers. And see, the Bible school is just one of several things that I can always point to and say our people can put a team together and make something happen. And I appreciate all of you for uh, your help of the Vacation Bible School. You did an excellent job. Job well done. And uh, those of you who prayed for us... Uh, Talk to kids uh, as they get older, and then you talk to adults, and they look back, and they start pointing to Bible school memories. You've made an impact that will last for a lifetime, and I appreciate your hard work. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what your word teaches about you and what your word teaches about us. And we need to know these things, and we ask that you would make them abundantly clear to us. All of us have business to take care of this morning or we wouldn't be here. We ask that before we leave, things would be made clear with you, and that business would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now I'm aware of the fact that we've looked at just about all these parables before, and we've looked at this particular passage before. But as we mentioned, as we begin to walk through the parables through the summertime, Jesus used objects that were very familiar to make his point concerning spiritual truths. And while fig trees may not be that familiar to us, we know about them. and Some of you may have in our, in our yards and so forth. A fig tree was definitely familiar to the Jewish culture. In fact, when Michael was speaking of the ultimate state of blessedness as a country, and Israel being totally blessed and all being at peace and prosperity, he mentioned in chapter 4, verse 4, Every man will sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Every man under his fig tree. Every home had a fig tree. You remember when Jesus was dealing with Nathaniel and he said, before you even heard about me, I saw you under your fig tree. They had these fig trees were big for shade. They grew taller taller and a little bit more abundant than what we have here, but they still had the big leaves. They were good for shade. And people would go, and, and that was their place to relax is to sit under their fig tree. So everybody was familiar with a fig tree. The fruit was also very desirable. It was a useful tree. It was useful for food. They would eat the figs fresh, or they would dry them like a raisin or a prune or a date And then they'd press them into cakes. Several times you hear in the Bible as you're reading about cakes of figs. They would preserve them. They would last for a long time. But also figs were very useful. Quite interestingly, in 2 Kings chapter 20, Hezekiah was sick and about to die. And he turned his face to the wall and wept. In the courtyard of the palace, Isaiah was walking through. And God said, you go tell Hezekiah, I'm giving him 15 more years. And Isaiah went to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, here's what we'll do. They made a poultice of figs and put it on a boil that had obviously gone septic. And they put a poultice of figs on that boil, and then he got better. Now, I know God provides the healing, but that tells us, Figs were used as medicine. So next time you get a boil or some type of sword, just go get some fig preserves, I suppose. I'm not sure how they did that. <clears throat> but the parable's not about figs, is it? But it is to tell us that they knew what figs were all about, and it tells us something about this tree. But it's about God. But also it's about us. So let's look at this parable and see some things about God and how these things about God pertains to us. Number one, God's expectations of us, all about this parable, reasonable and appropriate. Let me say that again. God's expectations from us are reasonable and appropriate, however much we may protest This particular passage of scripture tells us God is very reasonable in his expectations of us. First of all, the tree was offered plenty of time. He'd been looking for figs on that tree for three years. That's not to say that it was planted three years ago because it takes a tree, as we know, some time to mature before it bears fruit. But what the parable was about for three years, a tree that normally produced fruit was not producing anything. He was looking for it for three years. And you might say, well, that's, that's pretty bad because that means there were three crops that he was looking for and he didn't get those three crops. Well, it's even worse than that. Another fact about a fig tree is this. Over in the Middle East, where the uh, temperature is, is a little bit milder and more moderate, you don't have cold winters and so forth, fig trees will produce three crops a year. They have fruit of them all year long except for two months. So they produce fruit three different times pretty much through the year. And the old fruit stays on there, of course, and continues to ripen as the new fruit comes off. That means he had been looking for fruit on that fig tree, in nine times it had failed. It had nine opportunities. And he kept looking year after year after year year. Now he looked for the fruit because secondly the owner knew what it could do. He knew that it could produce fruit. He knew he should produce. It. He should reasonably expect that for it. And and what could it produce? Well, he looked for figs. He didn't go to that tree looking for oranges or something that the tree couldn't do. He looked for what the tree could do and should reasonably be expected to do. He knew what kind of fruit to look for. Well, let's apply this to the spiritual realm and to the personal part of our lives. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, many of you have this passage of Scripture memorized, and it's a good list to memorize. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what we're speaking of is every single child of God those who claim the name of Christ, who are Christians, this is what the owner of the tree reasonably expects from our life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that he's looking for. He didn't come looking for strawberries. He didn't come looking for apples. He came looking for figs because that was a fig tree. And on our lives as Christians, these are the fruits that he's looking for. These are the fruits that are reasonably expected. These are things he knows we can produce. That's what the disappointment was. It was not that the tree couldn't produce. He knew it was its potential. It was the tree would not produce for what ever reasons. Thirdly, the tree was not expected to do everything. And a lot of times since we can't do everything, we just give up and don't do anything. We think of what we can't do, what we can't accomplish, what talents we don't have, what abilities we don't have. And since we realize what we can't do, we we won't do anything. But the tree was not expected to do everything. The tree wasn't expected even to do a big thing. The tree was simply expected to do its thing. And that's where we are. We are expected to do our thing for the Lord. It may not seem to be a big thing in the eyes of others, and it's not going to be what somebody else is doing, but we're expected to do our thing. And it may not seem to be a big thing. But it is an important thing. I'm reminded of a story. Greek uh, scholar William Barclay tells a story about uh, Alexander White. That's spelled W Y W H Y T E. Was a pastor in Edinburgh, Scotland in the mid-1800s. Big church. Big church in Edinburgh, Scotland. Ever so often, a traveler came through on business and stayed at one of the inns in Edinburgh in the mid-1800s. His name was Rigby. And Rigby was pretty shy about talking to people about religious things and spiritual things. And He wasn't necessarily a, a big talker anyway. Couldn't speak in public, never taught a class. But here's what Rigby did. If he had to stay in Edinburgh over the weekend... As he left to go to church to hear the famed preacher Alexander White speak, he would invite somebody to go along. He was faithful. He, get, he gets to town, he's going to go to church and hear Alexander White speak. He would invite other people to go along with him. On a particular day, he invited one of the guests at the hotel, the inn, to go with him. Well, he pretty much protested. Uh, kind of got a little angry about it. Didn't have anything to do with church. But Rigby insisted. said said... I know if you'll come, that'll do you some good. Well, he finally came. He came with him that morning. After church was over that afternoon, he said, I want to go back tonight. Will you go with me again tonight? This is the visitor that didn't want to go to church. He went back that night and then became a Christian. Well, Rigby decided on his way out of town the next day that he would go see Alexander White. Never had really met him and talked to him and introduced himself and so forth. But he went by his house, didn't even know if he'd catch him at home, and he knocked on the door, and Alexander White came to the door. He gave him this story about what happened. He said, that means so much you would come talk to me. He said, because at the end of the day yesterday, I just really felt that my sermons yesterday just fell flat. I just, just really didn't feel good at all about how, how the sermons turned out. He said, thank you so much. He said, and by the way, what's your name? He said, my name is Rigby. He said, man, I've been looking for you for years. Stay right here. And he went to the back of his house and he brought stacks of letters. Stacks of letters from people who had come to church because a man named Rigby invited them. And they had come to his church, and their lives had been changed. He said, and here's a separate stack over here. I've got this big stack. But in this stack over here are young men who are now in the ministry because they came the first time, because you invited them to church. Now, you might think, well, I can't teach a class, I can't speak in public, I can't sing a song, I can't work Bible school, I can't do this, I don't have the time for that, my job keeps me on work nights, blah, blah, blah. You know the excuse, we all have them. But all of us can invite somebody to church, can't we? And you never know when that may make a difference. God is not expecting huge things. He's just expecting our things. And sometimes they turn out to be bigger than we'll ever dream. And something else. The problem was not that the tree was producing something bad. He didn't come and say, man, I'm finding poisonous stuff on this tree. I I came looking for figs and I'm seeing these poisonous berries all over this tree. This is a horrible tree. Cut it down. That wasn't the case. It wasn't the case that something bad was coming out of the tree. It was the fact that Nothing good was coming off of the tree. You see, the measure of the Christian life is not limited to the bad things we're not doing. And sometimes we think we're okay in the service of the Lord because you may talk to somebody about their spiritual life. Well, I don't think I'm all that bad. And I've never robbed a bank. and I've never... They go through all this horrible stuff they've never done. Well, the problem's not that we're doing bad things as much as we're not doing good things. You see, he came looking for good things. He didn't find bad things, but he found absolutely nothing. That was the problem. Now a word about us. This tree had it made. It was planted in a vineyard. It was taken care of. It was protected. The problem was not that the tree was getting nothing out of life. The problem that the tree was not putting something back into it. And you see, you hear that problem a lot of times. I, I made up a word. The word is a lot of people, they get grown, they go to, about their lives, they get a job and day in, day out, same old routine, and they're underwhelmed with life. It's just like, man, I'm just not getting much out of life. I just don't get much out of it. That's not the measure of of the Christian life is what we're getting out of it. The measure of the Christian life is what we're putting back and what we're producing. Now, when you want to find life at its fullest, then we start putting back. And we start producing something. We start turning out fruit, quality fruit for the Lord. Now, I don't know what your thing is, but God's not expecting you to produce my fruit or somebody else's fruit. But God's expecting you to produce Your fruit. He knows what your thing is. He knows what you can do. He knows what you're capable of. And that's what he is expecting. The tree was just refusing to contribute. Although it was getting a lot out of life. And a final word about God. We know the story. The owner was very logical in his thinking. Look at this tree. For three years, it has refused to do absolutely nothing. Cut it down. Something else can grow there. And then in steps the gardener. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Hold up. While you may be very logical and very reasonable in cutting that tree down, because it has been a big disappointment, let me do something special for it. And he stepped in said, I'm going to give it one more year. Not an indefinite amount of time, but one more chance. And you see, that is the picture of the God that we serve. The God that we serve very justifiably and very logically could say, I've had it with you, and you're out. But you know what he does? He gives us another chance. How do we know that? We're here today. And the fact that we're here today is God has given us another chance. But specifically, somebody stepped in to intercede for that poor fig tree that just refused to contribute and was a disappointment to the owner. You see, the Bible says we're all disappointments to God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all, sin disqualifies us from heaven. But here comes the gardener, hold on, and he intercedes for that tree. And Jesus Christ stepped in to intercede for us. It's a story of the gospel. It's a story of us. It's a story of the Father. And you know what the owner of the vineyard said? You got it. He didn't have to. The owner of the vineyard said, you've got it. Give it another shot. So it's mercy on the part of the owner of the vineyard. It's mercy on the part of the gardener who stepped in. The little tree got another chance. And you did too. But realize that chance for that little tree was limited. And our chance to make it right with God is limited too. We just don't know how many more chances we have to get it right with God. So therefore, what's the best chance to take? Today's opportunity, right? Don't know what may be going on in your life? Maybe this sermon hits you and say, man, I've got to step up and do better. I know what God's expecting, and I've fallen way short. Maybe you're here and you've never been saved. Jesus Christ has stepped in for you. You have the opportunity to accept Christ and salvation. Could you do that? Maybe you're here and there's some other move you need to make concerning your life with Christ. Could be church membership or baptism, whatever. You know that. I don't have to go down the checklist. This is our chance. This is our opportunity. Time's running out. As we stand and sing. Number 113. What number?